Welcome to the Woke Blokes podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Whatever that means. Sorry, Nico in here. <laughs> Welcome back to the Woke Blokes podcast. Nico, how you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks. We're not you? alone today. We are not alone. We're never alone. We are never alone. We've got a guest, though. Yes. Our first guest, episode number four, and we finally got a guest in the building. Yes, we do. Nick, introduce this fine man, please. This, where is he? Fine man. Stop looking at me. (laughs) Daz. Darren is in the house. Darren, welcome. Thank you, Nick. Thank Thank you, you, Ryan. Thank you for coming in on short notice. Darren is a client of MindFit. um, And yeah, we just, we wanted to get a someone in to give a client's perspective um, and to, for us to sort of talk about some issues the general population face when they um, think about going to see someone and going to see a therapist and you get counselling or you know dealing with my mental health and all these sort of all the stigma surrounding that so I thought it'd be great to get Darren in he's uh, fresh off a six-week program uh, is in a maintenance program now just to keep on top of things and work in that proactive way. Um, so, yeah, I think Darren would be a, a great um, voice for, for, for people out there and to, to give listeners a, an understanding of what Darren went through in order to, to get himself yeah, back on track. And I think a new perspective as well. So not just, you know, us talking about it, but also having someone go through the process and because all of us are struggling with these, you know, mental issues and life situation and that kind of thing. So to hear it from someone who's going through it at the minute and doing that work, I think it's really, really important. So does what, what made you reach out to Nico in the first place? Well, we came across each other actually once before we even kicked off the six-week program. It was so fairly it must organic, have, wasn't it? For, fairly organic and hope the golf practice is going well. Nick. Thank you. It is. I was in the golf course, was it? No, not quite, not quite. But um, look, we just got talking noticed your mind fit signage on the side of the car and straight away I was really intrigued and started just asking a few questions because I was just about to go on a holiday but was feeling a bit flat and um, dealing with stresses and and whatnot and uh, I guess I just saw this instant um, liking in this guy and I I felt this instant trust and um, you know said let's catch up when I get back from holidays and we did. So, um, yeah, so look, for me, I've, I've sort of dealt with, um, you know, stress and anxiety getting the better of me, um, you know, and I guess really being hard on myself and, you know, you need to harden up, you just need to get on with things. And whilst I sort of reached out, you know, and, and let people know how I was travelling at the time, I wasn't really um, taking that step forward to really start to find the tools and the strategies to really be able to help me deal or manage rather than just cope with the situations. Yeah. That's um, self, that self-talk's pretty common, isn't it? That harden up, bloody stop being a pussy, just deal with it sort of. That, that yeah. narrative happens and It's not really our talk. Like it's our self-talk but it didn't start with us. We're not the first ones who said that. It's been passed down from generation to generation. You're it suggesting it's programming from... I'm... I'm yes. A hundred percent. And um, culturally, uh, us guys tend to feel that a lot. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves, especially if we have a family and that kind of yeah. thing. I mean, I've only just had a boy five months ago. you got three girls, you were saying before, sure. Dad. So I can imagine a lot of pressure and stress there. Um, so I've got, a, I've got a four-year-old step. Where we've, we've all got it going on. Yeah, um, I just wanted to include him in this. 
<laughs> it gets easier, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> why, why at that point did you reach out to Nick? You obviously found out what he did. Was that a kind of an acknowledgement that, hey, this stress and anxiety is getting the better of me at this point? Y- yeah, it was. And, you know, every year, year and a half, I'd have what I'd call an episode. And I, I knew that I was at that point whilst I was going to take four or five weeks leave with the family, camping, fresh air, there was still that unresolved issue for me that I'm going to go back to work and I'm going to just cope, just react, respond the way I have always. And, you know, I was really, again, just really sort of digging a bit deeper in the conversation with Nick, really looking for a different way to help me just, you know, rethink... um, how I react to situations. And how had you coped in the past? If this was something that was coming up kind of every 18 months, what yep. had you done in the past to try and deal with it? I'd, I'd take time off work, yep. medicate, um, and just probably be miserable, yep. you know, and... Um, <laughs> just and suffer, it, suffering. Suffering and, yeah, yeah, and just that self-doubt and being highly critical of myself was just, you know, amplified in those times. Yeah, and so when you came back from this holiday, that was when you said, "All right, Nick, we're gonna we're gonna start working together." Well, when I got back from from holidays and went to work, it was pretty much the first or second day where I just got up from the office and went outside and just laid down. And again, I just felt this sense of helplessness. I needed to do something. Um, you know, all those thoughts. You know, what do I do? Easy way, quit, and then do what? So I made a phone call to Nick and I said, Nick, I probably need you more than I ever do now. <laughs> and um, we caught up with each other in the next few days and, and that's, that's where was, I was. Was there any resistance there to giving him that call or that sort of moment as you were lying outside work was enough to have you take the action? No, I, yeah, I said it's, it's, um, it's something that I decided before the first time I met Nick that I'm actually going to do something differently about this and, and you know, really make myself priority here. Because I want to be the best I, I can be, family, you know, daughters, etc. So I'd made that decision. I guess I didn't realise, well, maybe I was in a false sort of sense of thought at the time that the break would give me that, you know, just space from, from worrying about things, but yeah. instantly. So, no, I felt quite relieved to, to reach out to Nick. Because you hadn't reached out before would you say that there was a resistance before or a reluctance or there was just a it wasn't even really um in in your mind to go i'm going to reach out and get help it was just that i'm just going to suffer i'm just going to harden up so you were more in that than the resistance yeah yeah um exactly that and also you know things around me have got to change you know it's Mm. not me that's got to change but it's the work, it's got to change. It's the people I interacted, I've got to change. It's, it's, it's my partner. They've got to Vintage. change because I think it's their responsibility. Um, and, you know, I needed to take responsibility. Yeah, that's a big moment, right? And oftentimes I think we do get stuck in this thing where, like, we think a break or going away or just having a bit of time off work, that'll fix everything. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it doesn't take long after we're back no, at work no. before it all I starts. I think Darren was really good in noticing that pattern, though, that popped it Sounds up like it, yeah. And he went, all right, I'm going to go away. I'm going to have some time off. But when I go to back to work, I'm going to fall back into the same old thinking styles that are going to you know, create anxiety and stress and depression and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it sounds like it took ownership. It took ownership yeah. and said, oh, actually, instead of me 
blaming the life circumstances it's me that's going to have to change yeah. it's like there's that pattern where it's like you know we're going to end up miserable again I've got to do something different because we get caught as blokes just get caught in this trap we just keep doing the same shit yep. over and over again sure what did you see in Dasnik before he went away when he first connected with you and said I'm going to you know contact you after I get back uh so the initial meeting um i think we just there was just an instant sort of comfort i suppose we were, we were talking there was a mutual interest that brought us together golf um and but then does had a an openness about him which which i found refreshing uh and in that openness i guess i Saw an opportunity. I had a book in my car, uh, mm. the, was the Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Correct. Dan Millman. Yeah. Dan Millman. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, something just said, this dude needs this book. And um, you've still got it too, you bastard. Yeah, I can, I can give it back. <laughs> You're not getting the bookmark back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Shiva song bookmark, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Um, and so I just gave him the book. And I, I guess I did a – looking back now, I was probably planting a seed. Because it was like I could hear some um, some unhelpful thinking going on and some dialogue there that probably wasn't healthy or helpful to him. So I was it was a very unconscious decision, but I just went, mate. I think I think you need this book, and you know, hit me up if you want to chat about it. And so I just I, I guess I created a space for him, created a doorway, uh, and then just left to to, to him whether he's going to walk through it or not. Did you read the book? You sure did. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Had you sought, so in the past, had you spoken to anyone? Had you been to see a... I've seen psychologists. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, And those experiences, look, they probably helped initially, but I sort of, I went on and and felt I'm not really developing any new thoughts or ways of of dealing with this stuff. It's, um, and I, on those occasions, I, I stopped those those client you know, yep. um, practitioner relationships because I just wasn't getting anything from them um, that I thought it's going to make me you know think differently. Yep. Did you have a, a a feeling which I hear a lot with people is they just want me to go over the same old thing and talk about the same old stuff and I had to keep going into my story and revisiting all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, and sort of and really. And unnecessarily keep doing that. And again, as I said, those those uh, occasions, I didn't feel like I was actually moving forward. I actually felt like I was being held back. Yeah. Um, so That's yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so, what was it like going to see Nico for the first time? Did you, that you, feel you different? Don't, you don't have to answer that. You can plead the fifth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was the same guy that I met before yeah. Christmas and going away. <laughs> um, and you know just. Just Nick explaining what his role is and how he approaches things. Um, it was about, you know, help educating me to change that way, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked a lot about the easy path and the hard path. Um, and for me, it, initially, um, it all made a lot of sense, but I, I probably wasn't in the right space to necessarily go away and, and practice it. Um, so yeah, I was pretty. I, I reckon I was probably worse when I came back and saw Nick for the first time than when we met for the mm. first time before my holiday. We had, we had a, a our first um, clinical sort of meeting was an hour and a half appointment, that discovery session where I sort of go through the methodology and the way that I work and 
cause and effect and um, sort of unpack, you know, all the sort of source of a lot of everyone, Darren included, is their suffering and all that sort of stuff. So just to give a bit of a snapshot into what's going on so he can then make a decision, yeah, this resonates with me, I want to I want to keep going forward in this or, you know what, it sounds good, mate, but it's not really for me, I'm going to try elsewhere. So I'd, I didn't want to try and lock Darren into... You know, I'd come in next week and then the week after and the week after and two years down the track we'll still be doing the Going same old, the same, same old. Stuff. <laughs> so I, was, I just wanted to give him that opportunity to to sort of go, oh, right, this is, this is this sort of makes sense or it doesn't. Which is important because it's not a one-size-fits-all and unfortunately like in the past there hasn't been a whole heap of options for people out there so there's like one or two things you might try whether it's like a medication or a psychologist mm. and if that doesn't work for you you don't get the result you want then you're like what the fuck do I do now yeah and yeah probably it's not really encouraging to go and look for other you know options that might be you know better for you yeah 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 you said when you first met Nick you felt a sense of trust yeah why is that do you think um trust in the sense that um I could see he was just a good person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good person, there for the right reasons, there for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hold you to account, but I'll be gentle and, and make sure I don't, <laughs> don't damage the good things going on. But yeah, I just, just a genuine, genuine person, genuine soul and, um, and a bloke too. Yep. Um, you know, at least one of the psychologists I've seen in the past, um, you know, I've had male and female and, you know, again, um, for me, it was just a, it was just a, a really comfortable um, environment, and just um, the way Nick explained it. Um, I had an idea about what, you know, once I understood the things that were, that was happening, but I was understanding what the process looked like going forward too, and I hadn't had that before. Yeah. Yeah. Did it, I'm very open with my clients about my lived experience and how I got into what I'm doing today. Did that affect, was that a part of or what resonated with you at all? Yeah, look, that's that probably, when you mention it, it was probably one of the first things that I took away from when we first met. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to um, walk in the shoes of others, but the fact that I knew that, you know, in your life, you've had some really dark times in mm-hmm. your life, um, and now you're... You know, you worked on yourself, and now you're helping people work on themselves. I could, I could see that this, hey, this guy, you know, the guy understands, um, you know, from different people's perspectives what might be going on, um, and has learnt the things that are going to make you better, as opposed to the things you think are going to make you better. There's probably a big distinction there, isn't there? Just, uh, just listening to that, like the things that are going to make you better compared to the things that you think like is there's that much hypothesis out there and that much everyone's got there's that much knowledge or uh, theories and everything like that and I think um, what's coming through there is that what I'm passing on to people has been applied uh, and, and found to work and that's why I'm not a, a fan of all the latest research and latest science and all that latest data says you know, that's the Buddhist and Stoic philosophy mm. underpins all, all what mind fits about because it's 
you know, two and a half thousand years old and stood the test of time. It's old so science. It's old, <laughs> old school. <laughs> <laughs> old woke blokes. Old woke blokes. Yeah, they were old woke blokes. Um, what were some of the challenges you faced on this journey? I think the, ch- the journey of challenging our beliefs and that negative self-talk and trying to grow as a human being is never one of just pure comfort and happiness. Yeah. What were some of the challenges along the way? The challenges was actually just to stop and slow down. Yeah, okay, big one. Yeah, yeah. Really important. Let's talk about this for a bit because this is important. Yeah, yeah. So my way of responding to things was, you know, pretty much instant. You know, I'd react and I'd generally react in a way which was not helpful to myself or others. Um, And and talking through the importance of just slowing down, observing with Nick, um, you know, it was almost um, within a matter of days just being really tough on yourself to practice that as opposed to default just you know react React, react. there's a couple of of days of taking the hard path yeah 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 so um so and and you just started to think gee this really does work and you know nick and i talked about you know the power of that stuff um and that's that was really something that i could see was going to work for me and i guess i was i was in Uh, it it was proven to me that you know if if this is a way you approach things the hard path um, things obviously get easier um, and that's that's probably my challenge just to slow down observe not react and not and not have to respond to everyone's wishes straight away you know take the time Um, how do you how do you sort of catch yourself in the moment especially in those early days like if you're our natural go-to is like just react, react, keep going, going, going. How do you consciously slow yourself down? Um, Imagine if there was a tool for that. <laughs> yeah, taser guns. <laughs> um, <laughs> like two key words, perhaps. Put two key on, words. Put you on the spot here. Oh, gosh. You said it to me in a text the other day. That's... That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 and have an interesting day. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah that's interesting, um, and and that's for me because I'd, I'd step in and, and try and control situations too, you know. So just staying out of that space, that's interesting, um, and actually really listening to what's and observing what's going on before I. You know, make these quick judgments or, or think that I have to res- respond this way. So it's sort of, I suppose, the trigger to use that, those two words, is more like when there's you're finding an emotional reaction or you're about to try and control something, in that instance, it's to use that. Because you can't, I mean, go around just saying that's interesting to every single thing that yeah. happens. No, I mean, the whole... The co- to put all that in context, we're going off Viktor Frankl's work in between stimulus and response as a space. But then I've sort of added to that that uh, that's a really healthy behavioural model but then most people operate in the unhealthy behavioural model where there's stimulus then they'll react and then they'll go into the space and so and that, Darren was a classic example of that and so we just uh, you know uh, invited him to start saying in his head that's interesting whenever something popped up and it just it was like pressing pause on his emotions for a minute and yeah. pressing pause on on the, that trigger and it just gave him that time to take a breath, to step back, to reassess, do I need to spend energy on this? Do I need to control this? Am mm. I um, living in, am I you know, being fearful of something here and going into fight flight? And so 
uh, the way he was operating, he was giving himself no chance whatsoever. There's no, I suppose, no time to then make a choice. Now it's like you're giving yourself time. Hey, I do have a choice here. Yeah, yeah. 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 What areas of your life did that most impact early on? Was it work, relationship, what was it? What parts of my life? Yeah, like what areas of your life did that come in most handy, having that space to not react? Sure. I, I guess the physical um, instantly, because what I was experiencing before I, I, I met Nick and what I would experience from time to time is my whole body, my legs, my feet would just tingle. And that was just, for me, I just thought that's anxiety. Mm-hmm. So taking that, taking that moment to say that's interesting to sit back, observe... I could notice that I wasn't getting that physical sensation yeah, in my body, which that that was really annoying because when I when that happened, I knew I was starting to lose control of the situation. So something I shared with Darren at the start as well in that discovery session is that when he learns to manage himself and becomes better within himself, every every other aspect of his life that you're trying to allude to there becomes better as well so I mean work was sort of the catalyst for him coming in um, but really it was a lack of self, internal self-management yep. that was creating that so there was stimulus in all components of his life the majority of it was coming from work um, but yeah and so work obviously improved the most and, and the quickest but then you were saying yesterday it's sort of trickled into other areas mm. of life now yeah so you know Work hasn't changed. Other yeah. people haven't changed. I've changed. Yeah. So that's that's the most enlightening thing for me that, you know, where I can change things for myself, um, as Nick said, all those other things, you know, work was the worst place I wanted to be. I wanted to quit and stuff like that. And now I'm just, I feel, you know, really quite happy and content and at the same time feel like I'm contributing there. But ask me, you know, back January, February, I would have just said, oh, I've got to get out. Yep. That's a massive. Did you hear that sentence? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a that's a powerful sentence for a, a, anyone to say. Like, it's, I, I feel happy and content, and like I'm contributing. Yeah. Uh, like the turnaround, uh, and we spoke when I came back from Thailand. We recorded uh, a podcast, and I actually used you. I spoke about you, and I said, mate. I'm, I worked with this guy for three weeks and then before I went to Thailand and I came back in the first, the fourth session in his six-week program and I was blown away. I was like, his, his dialogue has completely changed, his energy has changed, his semantics have changed. It's all, the shift is, has been pretty profound. So. And it is, it's just that internal shift. It's not that the external things didn't change, like you said. Mm. And that's the most powerful state because we get caught in this blame thing and everyone, we want to be like, Ah, work's fucked up, my relationship's fucked up, my finances are fucked, and we just want them to bloody bugger off. Yeah. But when we change it, admit, hey, we're a little bit fucked. (laughs) 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 And if I can can work on my, because we've all got it, we're all a little bit fucked in some way, so if I can work on my fuckedness, then all of a sudden these external things won't be so fucked. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny how it happens. (laughs) It's funny, but it's not. No, exactly. And and Darren used the word uh, enlightened as well then um, when he was talking and you know, he's let the light in <laughs> to go back to your definition yep. from the last podcast uh, and so you know he's, 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 he can use the hashtag woke as fuck now after after his title at work he's, he's sort of he's opened his eyes up a little bit and, and come into this deeper understanding that 
Uh, Have you given him? Does that permission to put hashtag woke as fuck? Let's give him the permission now. You can, <laughs> woke. Yeah. Woke. You, can, you can put letters after your woke name. Woke AF. Now. What are those letters after your name called? Like uh, oh, like the kind of what you've studied and yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, I would just call them the letters after your name. There's a term for it. Clearly, none of us you have. You ever none of us are qualified. No, I've, I've got some, but you, know, you ever see those people and you know they'll. They'll do like fifteen like short courses, yeah, yeah. and they have their name, and then they've got like fucking <laughs> four alf- alphabets on their name. I'm like, what's your last name? It must be from bloody <laughs> Dagestan or something. <laughs> Dagestan. <laughs> it's part of Russia. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. Uh, so that, that was that was um, really interesting to listen to uh, from my perspective. Um, as a practitioner that's worked with Darren, what was it like? Because, I mean, this episode's not about bloody plugging Nick no, and what he does. No, this no, whole no, thing's trying to just give an idea of what it is for a bloke to reach out and get help yeah. and go through a process and make change. I think it's really, really important because I think a lot of guys uh, have this idea of what it's like to go and get help and it's it's not what they think. It's like just going and addressing things that need to be addressed, therefore making areas in their life much better and most importantly better in their heart, which is really important. Mm. What were you going to say? I wanted to ask Darren, what would you say to a bloke listening now that was in a similar headspace or worse to you, that's twiddling his thumbs, that's pissed off at everything in the world, that's, you know, it's everything else's fault, not my own fault. What would you say to that bloke sitting in the car or sitting in his chair now? Whatever you're doing, whatever you tried, obviously ain't working for you. Yeah. Mm. And and the the logical, simple tools um, that you stepped me through um, as I said open up my mind mm. um, I always thought those things were too hard um, I couldn't do it and we used a lot of that changing from I can't to I am or mm. yeah reshifting the so, frame and the beliefs yeah there. so um, it just made it's just made a, such a dramatic change in 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 my outlook Mm. um and i'm just so much happier so much happier and i do i i I see people at work suffering you know and i I reached out to a guy um recently who was open to talk about how he was traveling and i said look you know um gave me a card (laughs) um (laughs) i said look if you you give him the book no, I should just keep paying it forward. No, I got the book. <laughs> no, no. Remember attachment, Darren? We've it's spoken, attachment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'll put a little loan card slip in the front of it, and um, and I, I just said, yeah, look, um, mate, I I was feeling and thinking exactly the same way you are now, and it wasn't it wasn't just recently, but I've been thinking like that for most of my adult life. So, um, just do it, um, and. You know, it's it's okay. It's okay to get help. So what would stop him after you've had this chat and he still doesn't reach out and ask any Ryan, myself, any other practitioner for help, what would what would be stopping him from, from getting help, do you think? Good question. We we cover we cover <laughs> can I answer that? You can answer yeah. this, Ryan. Pride and shame. Pride okay. and shame. Yeah. We should yeah. do a podcast on it. Oh yeah. we have, sorry. Uh, have we? Oh, shame we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think it's pride and shame, something that guys struggle with a lot. Yeah, yeah. Big time. Yeah. 
Sure. But I, I like how you said you would give someone advice by just saying, hey, is what you're doing working? Yeah. Because you can, you can tell people, hey, you need to go here or you need to go there. And they're like, yeah, whatever. No, I don't. But it's like, is what you're doing working? It's like, they can't argue with that. Because if it's not working, it's not working. Yeah. And with this guy, again, he's the way he was at the time, he was... He was associating how he felt with all the shit that was going on at work, and it's it's work, it's them, and and I just said, mate, it's it's not work, it's nothing going on around you. It's, it's, it's not them, it's you. It's 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 <laughs> it's, it's it's me, it's you, and yeah. it's what you want to do to try and help and change and make yourself better, that will change your perspective of all those other things that are going on around you. It's so true. Would you agree with that? Pride and shame. Yeah, definitely. You seemed inquisitive uh, when I said that. It was a leading that. question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. See if anyone was going to pick it up and run with it. <laughs> That's how we work. It is. Look, I think that pride's a real issue um, for men uh, in getting help. Um, there, and there's a shame around reaching out and getting help because then we feel deficient in some way. Let, uh, just, to, just to interject into that, what would have happened to you if you hypothesize here and go into an unhelpful thinking style and worst case scenario what would have happened to, to Darren six 12 months like this this habit you said most of your adult life it's been circulating what would have happened to you two three years down the track what what headspace would you have been what would what would life have been like work-wise family-wise health-wise honestly mm. I wouldn't know mm. <laughs> um what I would know is that I've seen the cycle and I know the signs enough to say, you know, it's going to happen again. How many times it happens again? But how uh, many times can someone put up with that, do you think? Or, no. Or go through it? Well, no, I just, I was just exhausted. Um, you know, two weeks I didn't sleep and I just said mentally, physically, I was just absolutely stuffed. Mm. I guess I ask that question because a, a lot of my clients that I ask that to sort of go, right, well, you know, I was probably two or three months away from shutting my business down or chucking mm. my job in. I was, I was probably going to end up in divorce court and I was going to you know, family court. I was probably going to lose everything and end up in a hospital or something. Like they they try and you know, go into the future and see see what was what, what they would have experience if they hadn't have changed the path that they mm. were on yeah. Yeah, you, know, you know what scares me even more than a lot of those kind of drastic events it's just going through life and living a life of quiet desperation and getting to like 70 years old and going why the fuck didn't I address that part of my life Yeah, that's Survi- what scares me the mode. most yeah. Yep. yeah just head above water just, just struggling yeah. just yeah. just coping yeah. oh that word just <laughs> <laughs> feel it in your yeah. bones. I do. It's just coping. So imagine, imagine, uh, imagine before we're born and and you know, you're you're just a, a spirit or a soul in the waiting room, and they're like, All right, number forty two, you're going back as a human, uh, and and your purpose for this life is is to just cope. There's, you're gonna you're gonna have seventy years on Earth as a human, just cope. That conversation wouldn't be had. No, it? it's, it's not, it doesn't feel right. It's not why we're here, but yet so many people do it. They, yeah. ju- they just exist yeah. because, uh, because they don't know another way. Yeah. yeah it's, not, it's not their fault, but I think it is their responsibility, as Darren's come into, it is their responsibility to continue seeking and yeah. to find I like way. that. I like it. It's not, 
a lot of what's happened to us in the situation we're in mightn't be our fault, but it definitely is our responsibility yeah. if we want to turn things around. That's really important. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I people often ask me like about my addiction and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, you know, you must regret that time in life." I'm like, "Hell no." Nah. I'm like, drugs kept me alive. Um, yeah. I would have been dead if I didn't have them. But even worse is that I imagine just going through the same patterns through my life. Because we get caught up. You know, I had a guy come in recently and, you know, would have been maybe 50 or something and just needed to work on his communication with his partner and his kids. But he hadn't communicated for so long. It's like so uncomfortable and out mm-hmm. of his comfort zone to communicate. And I'm like, mate, if you don't do this now, you're never going to do it. And you're going to get to that 70 and go, fuck, I never had the proper relationship I wanted with my kids and my partner because yeah. I was too scared to open up. And we often say, oh, I just, I'm not a big talker. Yeah, no, I don't talk much. <laughs> no, you're scared. Yeah. That's why you're not doing it. There's fear in there and you but can you pass keep, it off as bloke You keep validating that belief that I can't, yeah. I can't do it because this is my justification. And it's gone on for so long. It just gets, it becomes more and more scary, this big elephant in the room. But it's just so scary. Not That's doing the it. hard part that we spoke about. It's, yeah. it's it's so easy to sit back and to buy into to that limitation, to buy into that old, out of dated belief, and and then that justification that follows. And it's easy to sit in that and get to seventy. But is that uh, a victim mentality? Uh, I don't know. Like I used to be addicted to the, the hokey pokey, but I turned things around. So that's it. We're shutting down the podcast. We're not doing any more episodes. <laughs> it's been good. Hey, episode number four. We had a good run. <laughs> Me and Nick aren't friends anymore. I've been sitting on that. You can't come back to the ages. center for healing. <laughs> Darren that, just threw up in his mouth. All that day. is a shocker. I just shit my pants and threw up in my mouth at the same time. I just became a dad, and I'm trying to pull dad jokes out, but that was bad. Very bad. That was some solid gold, my friend. Solid I was like, gold. Oh, what's he addicted to? What's his story going to be about? <laughs> God's sake. Uh, is it a victim mentality? Um, I think it, it, it's definitely a mentality. I think it's it's a... Uh, I don't like the label victim. Are we buying into our own limitations? Yeah, of course. Mm. I think it's yeah. a... It's a woe is me sort of. It's Which a, it's a, a power. It's, well, it's a powerless thing. It's a, I don't okay. know what to do. I feel completely disempowered mm-hmm. at this point in time, and it's a stuck mentality. I think. Yeah. And when we get stuck, you know, when we're stuck, we're not moving, so we're, we become an easy target for all yeah. the things that life's thrown at us. And I think that a lot of blame comes along with that. Whenever Definitely. we start to blame, we're stuck and it's we can't move fault. forward. Not my bloody fault, I'm stuck. Not, not my fault, I'm addicted to the hokey pokey. I turn things around. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've said it, you're into it. Uh. Melissa, I'm going to use this joke at some point <laughs> over the next week. And it's going to be hilarious. That could be an advertising campaign for the Centre for Healing. You're addicted to the hokey pokey. Come and come and turn things around. I'm just around imagining with us. someone coming in for a consult, with <laughs> really seriously. You know, families with them, a few tears down. What brings you in today? What's going on? Well, it's the hokey pokey. It's the hokey pokey. Whoa! <laughs> I just I bought my left foot in. Oh. I bought my right. Foot. You're the third person this week. It's an epidemic. The ice, the ice epidemic's over. It's a hokey pokey epidemic in Melbourne now. <laughs> I put my left foot in, I couldn't take it out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when we... <laughs> get back on track. No, I can't, I'm getting more off track. Uh, when we blame, we're stuck. Yeah. So that's, so that's like, and I've been there as well, Daz, when we're blaming our external circumstances, nothing will change. Mm. It's like, oh, it's my job's fault. Well, guess what? In two years, five years, ten years, the job's still going to be pissing you off unless you take ownership. Now, that's not then blaming yourself. 
It's just taking ownership and responsibility. And that comes back to the empowerment thing. As soon as you do that, you step out of disempowerment into empowerment. Well, I remember in the discovery session, like I write down the one, two, three, four, five things and one golden rule, we are all responsible for our own happiness. Then there's two underpinning beliefs and then there's three toxic um uh, two underpinning philosophies three toxic beliefs that create four emotional disturbances and then there's these five fundamental principles and the very first one of those is the most important that you are responsible for your happiness if before you if you keep giving the key to your happiness to your boss or to someone cutting you off or to your wife or to your kids or whatever you're going to be constantly at the the whim of the others mercy yeah, yeah the yeah. mercy of others mm-hmm. And of course you're going to be in survival mode because mm. you're going to be like, oh, what's tomorrow going to bring? You're going to be dreading it. It's going to be that, oh, God, I don't know what's around the corner and that fear is just going to be bubbling underneath the surface. So Yeah, I think a lot of people as well, we do that uh, you know, with our partners. So we put our validation and happiness on our partner. And it's Make like, me well, happy. This, yeah, you complete me. <laughs> I'm not complete without you. <laughs> and, so, and so all of our happiness is reliant on them and how we're going with them at the time. Mm, yeah. um, which means, as once again, we're handing over our power, so a disempowered state versus an empowered oh, that state. That does has got something on his mind here. What's I just saw a light bulb it, go it, off. It, it, might, it might, might be relevant. Um, one, of the, one of the sessions with Dick, um, my partner, and I was still pretty, I wasn't quite right at the time, and my partner said, look, Come on, you got to do this for yourself. Come for come for a walk. Let's go. And and I said to Nick, you know, in the past I would have said, oh, she's not saying, you know, it's okay, you'll be all right. Um, poor Darren. She actually, you know, said, no, come on, you've got to do this. And um, I I said that to Nick, and Nick said you should go home and buy her a bunch of flowers because because that's that was I was thinking. For her to show me that she's concerned and cares and loves me, that she's got she's got to sort of feel my pain. Um, and then it was that moment that I, I realised my partner, my family, my parents, if if they're talking to me was you'll be all right, it's okay, you know, work, they're bastards and stuff like that. They're sympathising. Sympathising. You know, I probably would have just wallowed in that, but now I would say... No, that's not how it is. And these are the things that I need to do and I am doing to change that. Mm-hmm. So, but that was a pretty, that was another light bulb moment when mm. my partner responded that way because I thought, oh, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to care for me. But she, she gave you what you needed, not what you wanted. Yeah. And that's exactly what I, was, what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what I give all my clients. I think that's the might be part of what you were talking about earlier is that um, I know the authenticity of what I try and do and what, what you do, Ryan, is... is I think we care enough about Darren's of the world to go, look, mate, uh, I'm going to – I, I, I empathise with where you're at, but I empathise and I sympathise. And in, in that empathy, um, I'm going to give you a hug, but I'm also going to kick you up the bum as well mm. um, because the last thing you want is for me to go, oh, poor you, and tell me, how does that make you feel? Yeah. Oh, and, oh, and who's doing this to you? Your, tell me about how mean your boss is. <laughs> like, that's not going to help Darren no. out of that cycle. It's like, 
all right, I, I understand where you're at, mate, but what are you doing differently? What are you yeah. prepared to do? Yeah, I, the kind of visualisation I have with that is instead of you jumping down in the pit with Daz and both of you just wallowing in the pit, it's mm. like you're, you're standing up there and say, I'm here, mate, my hand's out, but I'm not going to get in there with you. You've mm. got to come up here if you want to. I, I learnt that. I think everything, every job... Did anyone here know what they were going to do when they were in high school? You know, um, <laughs> Still don't know. <laughs> Still trying to work this shit out. 100% Stay out of trouble. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I didn't achieve that very well. Neither did you. <laughs> um, and I, so I had no idea what it was going to be. But it, when, it, when I finally opened up my own business, I looked back and I thought, it was hilarious how every job I'd ever had had given me a tool to use in what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. And lifeguarding, for instance, after I left the army up in Darwin, and oh, my first ever rescue. I'm glad that there was no social media back then. I'm showing my age. There's no internet. It was the time of darkness, and and I swam out to on the board to rescue someone, and this person literally had lost their mind you know, in, in that literal sense. They they weren't capable of putting a thought together and and being conscious. They were just in complete panic and disarray. And me and my naivety and, and wanting to help this person reached out and they were arms flailing and I've stuck my hand out to grab them and they've seen me as a lifeline and they've grabbed me and in their franticness have started pulling me in with them. And then I've gone, shit, this isn't okay. I'm going to end up underneath them and they're going to use me to climb out and to try and save themselves. Um, not proud of it, but I had to punch them. And and lucky social media wasn't around. <laughs> <laughs> Life zooms out, punches drowning person, goes back to shore. No, so I had to punch them and wait for them to drown before I could then pull them up and take them to shore and, and help them. Mm-hmm. So I had to wait until they were in uh, a safe space till we were both safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, you do your first aid course. The first letter is D for danger. And same with mental first aid. I think you've got to look around and. Um, and so the, I didn't want to jump down in a pit with Darren or any of my clients because if I do that, they're going to climb all over me or try and use me or try and drain me. And, and, and So did you punch Darren at some point? Probably. <laughs> uh, session number three? <laughs> the punching no, session. No, no. No, I didn't. Oh, I, no. Hey, but I, I held Darren to account and, mm. and you know, to Darren's credit and to all my clients' credits, they respond to that. Yeah. I've, I think they respond much better to that, um, probably not instantaneously because, it's, it's, once again, it's not what they're wanting, but they come into an understanding, oh, it's actually what I needed. Yeah. And they come into an appreciation of that and that, that taps into that you know, authenticity, I think. So... Yeah. It's a hard, it's a hard path for me to do because all I want to do is hug the Darrens of the world and go, shit, mate. Yeah, That's that empathetic nature. We just want to, yeah, yeah. Give them a hug. But I, I can't allow myself to to shift into sympathy because yeah. it's not going to help either of us. No. Yeah. So Darren's not paying me to sympathise with him. Darren's paying me to get shift him from point A yeah. to point B. Yeah. So I've got to do what's necessary. Even if it doesn't feel good for him at the time, he'll thank me later. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Daz, what, what tools are you using now to stay on top of your mental health, keep yourself mentally fit at the minute? It's, for me, it's probably just a positive self-talk. Yep. So each day, I wonder what today will bring. Yeah. Now, 
I would probably start thinking about the day, the day before. In the in, past. In the past. Mean, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, what, what's today going to bring? Knowing full well that stuff's going to happen, but I'm not, again, I'm not overthinking it or not coming to any conclusions about what might happen. That's really interesting. I like that sentence because it's not necessarily positive self-talk. It's more fostering curiosity. Mm. Well, that's that's why when I gave Darren that sentence and also that's interesting, the purpose of those two tools is to create that curiosity yeah. and to open the mind. And instead of attaching to what I think will happen or being in fear of what may happen, it's sitting in that space between stimulus and response. And it really gave Darren a capacity and boy, did he run with it just to sit there and to go to start observing uh, his environments mm-hmm. and then I, I think that's way more beneficial than positive self-talk you've obviously got negative self-talk which is today's mm-hmm. going to be fucked what's what horrible is going to happen then positive self-talk where you might get up and go gonna today's going to be great everything's <laughs> going to be perfect everything's fantastic wow what a beautiful life right and it goes to shit and you go oh yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but, go, but it's oh, still going to be say it, you say it with that smile but it's a kind of crooked smile and your eyes twitching run everywhere and yeah. everything's perfect <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> then there's what I think is far more powerful, which is fostering curiosity, which is not necessarily positive or negative, but it's creating some space for us to say, let's see what today brings. Okay, I don't have to be, I don't have an expectation of it being positive or negative, but let's be curious mm. about it, which is a good way to look at things. Well, every, everything is neutral. Nothing's good or bad until we decide it is so. Yes. So, but Darren in his past self was already deciding that things are going to be terrible or horrible or. You know, looking at his past and going, oh, that was terrible or horrible. Or there, was, there was this... Yeah. And there, there, yeah. Now he's got that, I'm neutral and everything else is neutral. And then once I experience it and process it, I'm going to find the value in it. Yeah. And That's an important one. I think it's hard for some people to get their head around that every single event that ever happens is neutral. Mm. But then we just attach meaning to it mm. and story to it. And then it becomes positive or ne- negative experience in our mind. So within every so-called positive experience are negatives and within every negative experience there's positives but we just block out one side based on the story we tell ourselves mm-hmm. yes yeah. the illusion we create the illusion the illusionati we're gonna tattoo a triangle and an eyeball on, on darren's forehead before he leaves <laughs> i'm clean skin every, every, <laughs> my, my every daughter's guest. Like, let me get a tattoo every, i'm too no, old <laughs> no on the forehead every every guest okay tell me where i go <laughs> <laughs> I've got a mate. We'll get him in here. <coughs> what else does, apart from that sort of yep. sentence, is there any other tools you're using? What about looking after physical health? Do you find that to help with the <laughs> mental side? Yeah, well, Nick Nick and I know that I was probably overcompensating yep. on that front. And Tell us about that. Um, yeah, look, I thought if I look after myself physically, the, the mental stuff will take care of itself. Um, and it does take care of it to a, to a degree, but changes a few. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I move and exercise and, and do that sort of stuff. Um, but you were doing it. I was doing before. Yeah, I was doing do, it before, and were and you doing it more than you're doing it now? Yeah. yeah and you were relying on it. If if yeah. you if you if that was taken away from you. Darren's in a codependent relationship with exercise because yep. it was it was responsible for him feeling good and and as you said it w- wasn't changing his thinking styles though wasn't changing any of his programming mm. but it was giving him a bit of a nice endorphin 
So um, we did a, we got, uh, I explained to clients that when we talk about the self, it's mental, physical, and nutritional. So we got Darren to score himself out of th- out of ten in each of those components, and physical was through the roof, mental was through the floor, and nutritional I think it was about average, yeah, or a bit below. That's probably less average. Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but um, but my mental health's much better. <laughs> so a different relationship with exercise now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, look, I, I I saw that as my lifeline and my answer to just blocking out all that other stuff. Yeah. And the third of my fundamentals uh, in the methodology is relationships, and we explore relationships. So that's why when Darren spoke about his exercise regime. I wanted to explore: Is there a codependency there? Is there is is it a healthy relationship, Um, or are you relying on it to make you feel something? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I've definitely had that in my life as well. I've had that codependent relationship with the gym. Like I I work out pretty much the same as I did years ago, but in my mid twenties, it was that whole thing like it's coming from a place of deficiency. Mm -hmm. So it's like I need to go, I need to be better, I need I'm not big enough, I'm not strong enough, all that kind of jazz. As a yeah yeah and then as opposed to now just being a you know celebration I do feel good afterwards I like the way it makes me feel I feel better mentally and energy wise so it's the same like the, with the work it's the same things happening externally but it's a different relationship with it mm. whereas one of deficiency with one of you know celebration of the body so I think a lot of people I've met a lot of people actually who speak to me who are like yeah I stopped drinking but now it's exercise and I'm obsessed I'm obsessed I'm obsessed it's transference isn't it yeah absolutely I had a guy um, he went into and started relying on meditation far too much um, so to try and get the mental health back up on track and so we had to sort of pull him back from that a little bit and it's, it's all it's all about finding that balance isn't it and and by nature I think we sort of like to go to extremes and we'll find ourselves all of a sudden down one end of a spectrum or down the other end of a spectrum. And I think it's really pertinent to sort of assess our relationships with everything and look around and go, you know, where am I on the spectrum of health in this relationship and uh, am I in balance? And do I need it? And what happens if it's taken away from me? Yeah, I think that... Well, that would lead into addiction as well, wouldn't it? Of course, 100%. And what do they call it? Like the meditation one. It's like spiritual bypassing, yeah. where it's like you know it, it becomes. They're like, oh, I'm down the spiritual path yeah, and everything, yeah. and but all you're doing is like floating above, and you're just kind of becoming addicted to that realm yeah. and not dealing with your human stuff and the stuff that's going on in your life. So you just keep like, I'll just keep rising above it <laughs> and looking down on it, um, and disguising that as doing deep work. But oftentimes it's not. Yeah. So Once I- again, meditation is an amazing tool. But then, like with the exercise stuff, if it's coming from a place of deficiency or not wanting to deal with my stuff, then it becomes a, a destructive relationship. Yeah, I'm just thinking about my meditation practice, and it. Um, I meditate, yeah, but like similar to you with the gym. It's it's just I, I I like how I feel afterwards, and I don't feel I need to do it. I actually look forward to doing it. And I enjoy yeah. doing it. Um, I can go a day without it, and, and nothing happens. You, know. you don't have withdrawals? No. <laughs> Unlike you and if you, if you miss a day in front of the mirror throwing some iron around. Just in my jocks. Look out. Look out in the banana hammock. <laughs> when you were a lifeguard, did you wear speedos? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> I may or may not bring some photos in. Budgie smugglers. Did you, did you wrestle a crocodile? Uh, no, I did not wrestle okay. a crocodile. 
<laughs> no, well, I was I was working in a in a water park. Not there's no lifeguards on the beaches because you can pay people enough money. <laughs> yeah. Sharks and crocodiles and stingrays and jellyfish and hurricanes and cyclones and <laughs> electrical storms. It's not a place you want to be working. <laughs> you can't just rock up as a lifeguard with a hard hat on. <laughs> oh, I love the territory. Shout out to all the Northern Territory listeners. <coughs> What else, Nico? Is there anything else you want to touch well, on? Well, I guess we today, today it was about inviting somebody in to share um, all the space they were in, or what it took to reach out and and create a different space and the process. So it's a lot like a before and after. You know, weight loss. It's all about before and after photos. And I guess I, I wanted to learn more about and have listeners learn more about Darren's experience and what his after is now like what do you what's what's life like now compared to you know before beforehand it's that if you could sum it up in a couple of words dare i say happy and content (laughs) yep (laughs) happy because before it was lots of sad and feeling sorry for myself so happy um content and just feel um yeah, just feel like I'm empowered to be able to, to deal with things so much better. They feel more equipped. More equipped to do that. Yeah. How proud are you uh, of yourself? And it's <laughs> not a pride question, it's yeah. a proud question. Um, yeah, really proud, really proud. Um, you may recall one of our sessions where, you know, I had some sick leave I'd, I'd taken off and I could have taken more time off, mm. but I knew myself what I needed to do was actually put into practice what I'd learned in a real situation and get back to work. And I was proud that I went back to work and, um, you know, I decided that. Yeah. Um, it wasn't people saying, oh, you should take more time off and stuff like that. So I was really proud. But, yeah, just really proud about, um, you know, just um, realising that that easy path stuff just leads to misery and, and desperation you know i, I felt desperate I, I was desperate when i called nick that day i've had so many clients come into saying and they're like you're you're my last hope or you're my last resort and it's it's amazing the amount of times i've heard that and i don't know don't know why but you know, i wouldn't mind being a first or fifth or eighth yeah, resort that'd be great day. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're moving that way with people you know trying to take take care of their mental game a lot more but I think a lot of people identify with your story, Daz. I think that feeling of desperation and hopelessness, like laying outside of work, I think so many of us have felt that, you know, at some point in our life. Mm. And knowing that if we do overcome that bit of resistance and reach out for help, and the other theme of today's chat was really around owning what's going on in here in ourselves yeah. in order for those external forces that we think are making us unhappy, mm. um, they'll start changing in turn. I think to sum up, Darren, before I started working with him, it, lost, confused, overwhelmed, um, desolate, you know, just the, the, there's a, um, but underneath all of that, there was, there was something there. There was a, a spark or a fire that just hadn't, I don't know, just hadn't been fueled or fed. And when we, when we cleared out a lot of the dead wood, so to speak, um, you know, we, when we, we looked at 
it does is foundation that he's, he's built himself upon we found it lacking in a lot of areas because of the thinking styles and the beliefs and the relationships and this and that and so once we sort of stress tested those Darren of his own accord and it wasn't a judgment from me but Darren found I think um, found those things lacking within himself which then gave him a chance to go right I've got to get rid of all that and here's this armory that sort of next providing I'm just going to start filling up with all of this stuff is that a fair summary yeah yep <laughs> yeah, I'm going, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's fiercely nodding like Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, to be honest, it, it feels a long time ago. It yeah. does feel a long time ago. Yeah. And it's only been three, four months. Mm. Yeah, yeah th- that tends to happen, I think, when we have a you know big sh- internal shift when it comes to our belief structures and that kind of thing. It's really interesting because even if we've had a certain set of belief structures for decades – once we change, we feel like we've always been that way. Mm. So it can feel like a, a different person yeah. back then than what it is now, which is a good sign. I was trying to just get people back to being genuine and authentic and all the programming that Darren had had been handed down to him from other people or imposed on him from other people. So once we cleared all of that out, he was free to shift back to that genuine and authentic self. Yeah. So it probably feels like he's come home to some de- degree. So... And now he's come in here and you know, I think I just want to finish off today by, um, I don't need to, but but I want to point out how brave it is for, for Darren to come in here and to talk openly about this, um, but also all my clients and your clients and anyone who gets help, how the courage it takes and the, the, the internal strength they have to tap into to reach out and to ask for help because it's not easy and I've done it and you've done it yeah. and you've done it as well. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, for those sitting on their hands or twiddling their thumbs, wondering, can I can I do it? The answer is yes. You've just got to really um, reach a bit deeper, I think, and find and take that hard path. Take the I hard think the path. the hard path becomes easier in the long run. The easy path gets harder in the long run. It's about taking that step. Yeah, yep. true. Daz, thanks for coming in, mate. Thanks, Ryan. That was awesome. Yeah, thanks, thanks Ryan. <laughs> Cheers. Um, thanks, Nick. Let us know what you thought of the episode, ladies and gentlemen. Shoot through any questions. Have we got an official email now? Yes, it is... Woke blokes. No, woke blokes at hotmail.com.au. No, just a d- just woke, dot com, woke I Woke blokes at hotmail.com. Glad to see we're organised here. Yeah. Uh, woke blokes at hotmail.com. If you have any questions or anything, shoot them through. Let us know what you thought. Thank you all for tuning in. Nico will be back next week. Could be us, could be another guest. We'll see what happens. Peace. Catch you later. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.